Welcome to Lagrange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science, technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia, who are a youth organisation with members aged 15 to 25, whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On today's episode, we're looking at some crazy Kickstarters, playing our fact or fiction game, looking at news, and looking at what is real and what is fake in our Not Even Rocket Surgery section. Today with us, we have Lachlan. How are you doing? And Lauren. Hello. I'm Justin. We're going to kick off with our Launchpad News section. Okay, they've figured out that dinosaurs actually have milk. Now, wait a, wait a, wait a second here, because how do you get milk? Mammals produce milk. Reptiles, that's, that, they're not, they don't have mammary glands. They're not mammals. Can't you milk a snake or something like that? But that's venom, isn't it? Okay, well, they're not, dinosaurs don't feed their babies venom. <laughs> that's <laughs> a good start. It's a really good start. I know. No, so, um, some herbivores can regurgitate food to their young. Yep. That's the thing that happens. Um, what dinosaurs did... They, they, and they thought dinosaurs did this as well. But as well as regurgitating plant matter, they can actually regurgitate other... Sort of a milky-like protein to give their young stuff that they couldn't produce themselves and stuff that wasn't found in the plants. And what was really interesting with this stuff that they could cough up to feed their young is that they could spike them with different hormones or chemicals that they needed for different develop for de- development at different times. So like our brains will make different hormones be produced during puberty and stuff like that, the parents could produce different hormones when it was time for their babies to grow up and, and develop. And I guess ways. that's similar to the way um, in, in mammals breast milk works in that it's um, actually generated with nutrients from the mother that they're passing along to their child. And in this, that, that interesting makes sense. So instead of actually re- requiring uh, mammary glands... In, in the breast of the of the animals, it's actually using uh, in, internal processes in, in either in the stomach or other places to do the same effect. It's just the method of delivery and storage is different. Yeah, they use glands in the esophagus rather than actual mammary glands. Mm. Um, something else I thought was really interesting is that they can actually pass on antibodies and antigens to fight bacteria. So the things the parent has learned to recognise to fight off they can give to their young, which is a really useful evolutionary trait. And pass on their immunities as well. Yes. That's really interesting. But does it answer the question whether lizard people, as we know them in sci-fi, would they have breasts or not? Because this is a problem that has you know, plagued sci-fi for many, many years. And I think what we're getting from this is they wouldn't, but they would have maybe slightly enlarged necks with their glands. Yes, they'd have slightly enlarged necks. Yes, well, sorry sci-fi nerds out there, you're going to have to adjust uh, your your ideals of your space alien women that you may meet. I think a perfect space alien woman does have some beautiful neck glands. Hopefully they don't get their neck glands pierced. Well, I mean, if they get pierced, then all the antibodies will leak out and then there'll be bacteria-fighting machines. I guess you wouldn't have to worry about infections then. That's a really valid point. Maybe we should all have... Um, bacteria-fighting glands that we get pierced. I, I think in mammals, um, piercing that is more of an aesthetic choice than um, an immunological one, but to each their own. We call this section Fact or Fiction. In this section, we present three different projects that have been put on to Kickstarter. Two of them are false. One of them is true. The challenge of this section is to identify the nonsense from the real and plausible science. So, we'll kick it off by handing it over to Lachlan, 
who will tell us about some interesting developments from Japan. I'm sure you guys have heard about something the Iranian government did the other week, which was launch a monkey into space. Of course, in the current age of sort of animal cruelty and animal rights and stuff, um, Japan have come up with a way to send a helpful creature into space without damaging anything or taking any lives. They're going to send a mech into space. For those of you that don't know, a mech is basically a humanoid robot, um, popular in anime and manga and other stuff like that. So... A school in Japan have started a Kickstarter to send a robot into space. For $5, you can name a small part of the robot, like one of its like moving parts or like a toe or something. For $50, they would send you a video of the small humanoid robot doing a dance in your honour. For $1,000, you could name the robot and, of course, get a beautiful dance done as well. But for five grand, this is it's quite a bit of money. Um, you can actually have a plaster cast of your face put on the robot and sent into space, so you can have one of the first faces on Mars. Yeah, so that's what I have for you guys. What, Lauren, what, what what do you have? You might have seen the recent Red Bull commercial, where a man skydived from the highest point in, in the atmosphere they could reach. Inspired by this. The Ellison School has actually decided that, you know, the teachers there are smart enough and intelligent enough. If professionals doing Red Bull can do this, why can't their first graders send a toy on a weather balloon up into space so it can skydive and beat this man's record? If you donate to this project, for $5 you can actually have your name written on the weather balloon that the toy is sent up with. For $25, you can have a picture of the toy and the weather balloon with the, with the class um, sent to you. For $100, you can name the toy sent up into space. And for $1,000, you can actually have your family-friendly toy sent up into space. That's all I have for you, Justin. So, as you may be aware, money is tight for many governments across the world, and none more so than NASA. Despite all the fantastic work they've done putting that amazing rover on Mars and making their engineers have fabulous mohawk haircuts, they haven't actually got enough money to go around. And so NASA has come up with an ingenious way to raise money for its space program. So on Kickstarter now, as a donation pledge, you can buy some of space. So, NASA has spaceships and various other things scattered across the universe, which can be yours for a very affordable price. If you contribute $5, you can own a piece of the moon, or rather, a piece of the Apollo program on the moon. So for $5, you can own one of the screws on the Apollo landers. For $100, you can own two tyres that are on the June buggies on Mars. Oh, sorry, on the moon. For $200, you can own the golf kit set, as well as the golf course and balls that have been set up on the moon by NASA. For $500, you can own a tread of a footprint on the moon. For $1,000, you can own one of the flags that is currently residing on the moon. NASA hopes that this uh, fundraising program will enable them to send more things onto space, but please note, as listed in the terms and conditions, delivery is not included in the cost of uh, any of these items. 
So now after listening to our three different versions of fact or fiction, we've called on Andrew, one of our general members, to answer the questions about which ones he thinks are real and which ones he thinks are fake. So Andrew, what do you think about these three stories? Well, I feel the first one about the mech sounds a bit unrealistic because it sounds very high-tech, very futuristic, but the one it could be feasible, I don't know, I don't know. But the one with NASA also sounds a bit unusual and maybe not true. The one with the school students sounds very possible, and I could imagine that happening. So I think that I will choose the mech one as the fiction. So you, you satisfied with that answer? You want to lock it in? Yes, I will lock it in. All right, now we'll play the dramatic music and we'll hear the results in a minute. So after listening to those dramatic music, Andrew, I've got some fantastic news for you. You were able to correctly identify <laughs> the, the true answer out of these fact and fictions. It turns out that the Ellison School in America is actually launching a weather balloon up into space, um, kind of similar to the Red Bull Project, and they're actually raising money right now if you want to donate. And if you donate, you do actually get to um, get a DVD, some photographs. Maybe putting up your children's toy isn't one of the listed options, but I'm sure if you gave enough money, they would yep. definitely consider yep. it. So thank you for playing Fact or Fiction. Rocket. Check. Scalpel. Check. Gloves. Check. A carefully balanced mix of pure hydrogen and oxygen? Check. Houston, I think we're ready to perform some rocket surgery. Fire. So as you've all heard from our exciting theme song intro, we're now in the not even rocket surgery section of... Our podcast, where we talk about things that aren't even rocket surgery. This is where we talk about pseudoscience, things that could be or could not be. And we discuss, is it possible for a man to live underwater? Is it possible for a dragon to fly across the sky? Is it possible for us to time travel? And we answer all these big questions in what we call the extrapolation station. So, Lauren has something very interesting for us today. Um... My parents love watching this show, which is An Idiot Abroad. And on one of his travels across the Trans-Siberian Railway, he came across a man who was a human magnet. He was attaching forks and spoons to his face. He could even transfer this power to other people. Now, is he actually magnetic? Is it not just his personality, but an actual thing? Well, I mean, Lachlan's a pretty magnetic and charismatic guy, but I've never seen cutlery attached to his face. Well, you know, not when people are hitting them with it. Um, but I guess it would be a bit awkward on a railway as well, because the entire thing's metal. How is he not stuck to the side of the car? Could he be like a professional climber and like climb up metal buildings and stuff? Like, that would make sense, but buildings are, pri- buildings are primarily glass now. A giant fridge. Should we call him Iron Man? Well, I don't know if he's Iron Man, but real- he'd be really attracted to Iron Man. He'd just be following Iron Man around going, Let me love you, Tony Stark! Well, most magnetic things are, have iron in them. That's true. Um, and, I mean, the blood has iron in it. Um, in the hemoglobin specifically, which is um, sort of a complex molecule that stores oxygen in it. So, could we have, could he have special properties in the iron in his blood 
that could actually make him magnetic. Yeah, because if you have a, a magnet and you rub, say, a spoon on it, you can actually magnetize the spoon if the spoon is ferrous. It contains iron. So then that spoon will be magnetic. So it could be plausible that if he has a very iron-rich blood and he exposed himself to a very strong magnetic field, that you might magnetize the blood. The problem with that is that uh, magnets decay. So if, you, if you've ever done the experiment where you get a magnet and you rub a nail or a spoon on it to make it magnetic, you'll notice that after a while it stops being magnetic. And that's because the dipoles in the magnet actually stop randomly aligning themselves. They stop being all in one direction and start going back to crazy, random, arbitrary directions. And with blood, it would be very difficult to get them all aligned in the same way, uh, in a way that's consistent, unless you're restricting blood flow to an area. Could he be hoaxing it, and he actually has giant metal plates in his body or something? If you have metal plates, that's a different story, because if you have metal plates, then it's really, really easy to do that. Because then all you have to do is magnetise the metal, and instead of having to um, align all the dipoles in a liquid you align them in a solid, which is so much easier. A really dilute liquid, too. That's right. Oh. Then how did he pass it on to the other guy just by touching him? Well, that is a very interesting thing. But it's a, it's a very interesting technique used by um, uh, magicians, con men, street artists, where they uh, cold read audiences or get audiences involved in it. And in that instance, would it possibly have been a plant, i.e. someone who uh, you can sort Knew of set the up... Trick. Yeah, knew, knew, the, knew the trick and how it worked. It's certainly a way to do it. I mean, I guess if you're that bored riding the Siberian... Um, riding across the Siberian tundra, something to pass away the hours. I do have a way that would be guaranteed to make you magnetic. Okay. Um, you'd need an electric field that was probably as powerful as all of the electricity we have on Earth because electric, electric fields powerful enough will make anything magnetic if they have iron in them. That's true, but otherwise you have to be walking around with a magnetic field. Like the electric field around you all the time. What would you actually like say Like a force then? field? Basically, in order to do that, you would need to be wearing your own portable electric field that's generating a magnetic field around you. That's right. It's impossible. But if you could do that, you would have a magnetic field. Well, it's not impossible. It would just make your life suck because you couldn't use any technology. But you'd be the centre of attention, the life of the party. But I couldn't check Facebook on my phone. Everyone would be attracted to you. But I can't check Facebook, so no one would know. Also, you need so much power, you would vaporise everyone you come into contact with, which is more my point besides not going on Facebook. Lachlan, I think we've all established where our priorities lie. So this section is called Extrapolation Station. So do we think being a human magnet on the Trans-Siberian Railway is plausible? Maybe? I don't think so. No, um, if, if it's not the blood, unless he has, like, face plates or something, I reckon he's more like a magician rather than a scientific marvel. What do you reckon, Lauren? I think there was probably a trick to it, and it wasn't as easy as, as it seemed to be. I, 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 I agree with Lauren on that, and uh, I'm happy to say that we'll leave that one as uh, probably a work of fiction. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. We've been Justin, Lachlan, and Lauren. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. We've covered a range of things, crazy kickstarters, and a variety of different topics. Our ending theme is composed by Picts, and we've used various music from contributions such as She's, Greg Beaumont, 
and Super Sigil. We've been the Young Scientists of Australia. If you want to find out more, head to our website, ysa.org.au.